Welcome to the Root of Power podcast, where I teach you how to step into your power, find alignment, and create a life that you love using holistic methods, interviews with industry leaders, and inspiring stories from people who know that true freedom is found within. I'm your host and health and wellness bestie, Amanda Chills, and I'm so proud of you for choosing to step into the root of your power. Hello and welcome, y'all. If you have a minute and wouldn't mind doing me a huge solid Head on over to Apple Podcasts, the link is in the description, and leave me a five-star review. This helps rank the show higher so that it gets in front of more people and more people benefit. And if you know someone who could find this episode useful, go ahead and share it with them as well. The goal of this is that people like you get help and learn something. So please, by all means, share it. Sharing is the oxygen that really grows this fire to help more people. If you are on YouTube, go ahead and leave me a comment. That also helps me out in the algorithm. I appreciate you guys so hard for taking the time to listen. None of this is possible without you. Now let's get back to the episode. All right, so beginning Taylor Boggs. Hello. So y'all, I've known Taylor for like 10 years, I think. About that. A long time. So she and I used to work together at American Eagle. Like, what up? Um, I didn't talk to her for a number of years because she was out doing all of the dope things that she's going to talk about. And we reconnected recently because we are in similar fields now. Um, so you guys get to learn from her. She's super dope. If you're watching on video, like, sup. If you're listening to the podcast, sup. Um, so Taylor, if you would just tell us, like, who are you? Um, what are you doing right now? And then we, we can get into other questions. Yeah. So my name's Taylor. I use she, her, hers pronouns. Um, I am originally from Tampa, Florida. And um, where I met Amanda, and what else? Um, I did the Peace Corps from 2015 to 2017. Um, but before that, I graduated from USF with my BS in public health, and currently finishing up my second master's from the University of Pennsylvania, and. Yeah, that's a little bit about me. I can tell, like, hobbies and whatnot as well. (laughs) Whatever you want. First of all, I think the fact that you're like, I'm finishing up my second master's overachiever. I love it. Um, I would actually love if you talked about your time in the Peace Corps, like why you went in, what it was like. Yeah. Um, So I always kind of knew... um, for many years that the Peace Corps interests me a lot. I think the first time I ever heard about it was in high school, like my senior year of high school, actually. Um, somebody had, a returned Peace Corps volunteer had come to one of my classes and spoke about it and things like that. And then it kept like coming up in my undergrad as well. Being a public health volunteer, I think it's just like a very natural Uh, um, segue into that. So it was something that was kind of always in the back of my mind. And um, after I graduated, I kind of was burnt out a little bit and I was just ready to like make some money. And I started working at a restaurant, uh, which was a lot of fun because uh it was a, a like a british pub so the men and women wore kilts and yeah. um that was like really crazy time in my life and i got to a point where i was really over kind of that scene and like partying a lot and i met my best friend my now best friend through the pub and one day she was like oh i just want to you know, 
I want, I think I'm going to uh, sign up for Peace Corps. And I was like, no freaking way, dude. <laughs> I've always wanted to do the Peace Corps. Let's yeah. do it. And like, so we, she was like my person where like we both signed up for the Peace Corps. We ended up going to totally different countries and our time overlapped, but weren't the exact same. But it was like really, that was a really motivating, beautiful factor. Where did she go? The Philippines. So I went to Nicaragua. Yeah. So what do you do? What do you do in the Peace Corps? Because I think some people know they're like, oh, Peace Corps, you go volunteer for a couple years. But like, what do you do for two years? Yeah, there's so much you can do. Um, there are six different sectors in the Peace Corps. So I was in the health sector, but like my best friend was in teaching English. Um, and there are opportunities to even be like TEFL certified, uh, teaching English oh. as a, a second language or a foreign language. Yeah. Um, and there's like a technology sector and youth development and um, business and agriculture. And am I missing any of them? <laughs> if you are, someone will tell us in the comments. Environment. Let us know if we missed one. Yeah, environment. So ah. environment was one. So like agriculture and environment are slightly different. A lot of the, some of the sectors overlap. Like even though I was health, like I would even say I did some like youth and development and stuff like that. And I did. Yeah. So every sector has their kind of like goals that they need you to meet. Specifically what I did um, being a health edu like and our other titles for it is like community health promoter, health educator, things like that, community educator, health educator, just different variations of that. But we focused a lot on um, HIV prevention, teen pregnancy prevention, and um, maternal and child health and improving those outcomes. Um, Nicaragua is the sec has the second highest teen pregnancy rate, and it's the second poorest country in Central America. Um, so those are some interesting facts. Um, but I think the most important part is like always remember not having this like white savior complex, um, when entering the Peace Corps, which many people have. And even whenever I was entering, um, I always was like, I didn't have necessarily that, that mindset I still needed to like learn and grow in a lot of ways but my mindset wasn't like oh, I'm this all-knowing being because I come from the United States and yeah. I'm here to like teach you right. better things you know like I love and this is how any type of work should be is like entering a community like respectfully genuinely wanting to learn about you know, these people and working with them, um, yes. learning from them. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like they know their community better than I would ever. Um, right. And so really before I did any work was really like interviewing mm -hmm. community leaders, yeah. uh, serving. Because they, know, they know way better than you do what they need because they live there. <laughs> they have lived their whole lives. And so you don't know. And that's something that I, I tell my clients when I start working with them, like, I'm not the expert. I can teach you skills. I can give you resources, but you are the expert in your life. What do I know? I've lived 0% of your life. You're from a totally different type of culture. Like not for nothing. We don't know shit <laughs> about anyone yeah. that we're working with. So I, I love that you brought that up because I, I think a lot of people get into helping professions or get into volunteering or doing good work. Whatever reason people do good work, listen, more power to you. But there is a way that is helpful and there is a way that is damaging. Mm -hmm. So I think you acknowledging like you have to check your ego at the door and it's not about you. It's about the communities or the people that you're serving. And so you really, you need to drop your ego in order to be truly effective 
because you don't want them dependent on you because you're there for two years and then you bounce. Right. So, right. Hell yeah. And and really and, and it's still challenging, like even mm-hmm. with that mindset. So that was still it was really hard to get things off the ground because a lot of the time former people and like a lot of organizations come into these countries and really poor countries and they just like dump money or dump projects or things onto these individuals and and in these communities and so that's kind of like what people now expect yeah okay so it's like I'm like no I'm here to like work with you not do things for you and like not do and not just like hand you money or these things like I really want this to be like a collaboration and sustainable and like how do we do that and I have so many more like now that I'm out of Peace Corps and I'm through a mass like most of my masters I have so many I'm so much more better equipped to like have those sustainable pieces um I had so one how has it helped you yeah go ahead how has it helped you in your masters because if people don't have the training that you've had to to literally take your ego out and to humble yourself like is that something you run into in your programs where there's like a savior complex or how has it like helped you yeah so I entered into like the social work program first at UPenn and so that was really where it was almost like a retrograde not retrograde but maybe like is that the word um but like retroactively looking at my experience in Peace Corps based on my newfound knowledge in social work so like social work has so many like social justice themes and we talked about white savior complex and um how it's based in colonialism and you know yeah so really learning about that and recognizing that like peace corps does as wonderful as it can be of an organization there are things that are still like Ooh, you can do better. Yeah. Yeah. So I was able to learn from that. I think a lot of the time social work does a pretty okay job. Not, it's not great. It, or at least my program, but public health, but they're trying. Right. And public health too, I think has changed a lot, um, in terms of like, being better, but they still have a, a lot of work to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, I think that's a generational thing. I think it's a culture shift thing. Like we're really seeing in the last few years, especially with the the social justice movement and, and Black Lives Matter, which is insane to me that people even need to say, um, of course they matter. That's a different topic. Um, <laughs> With all, with more people really like standing up and saying like, absolutely not. Your your policies and your practices are actively harming the people you're trying to serve. Mm-hmm. Those things are changing. So there's even a dynamic like in counseling where part of our ethics is like is taught to us that the counseling dynamic, I'm above a client which is ridiculous and totally backwards. Again, like people are experts in their own experiences. I don't know what they need. They know what they need. So I think public health and communities is the same way. Like if you don't live in that community, how, this sounds mean, but like, how dare you come in and say like, oh, I know what you need. And it's like, what? Yeah. (laughs) You might as well have men legislating women's reproductive health, like get out of here. That makes no sense. Right. And 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 so another big issue I have and this goes into the the white savior complex and like all these things is I honestly did feel like specifically the teen pregnancy goal was really hard for me 
to like go in and 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 they wanted to be educated on that like the health centers and stuff like that but a lot of the times like their really pressing issues were GI tract issues so there's lots of parasites people have stomach aches diarrhea like dehydration in and children. so they're focusing on pregnancy yeah and 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 not to not to get it wrong like they do have the second highest after haiti um the highest teen pregnancy rate and that is alarming but i also think about like right like we don't have as big of an issue of teen pregnancy because we have we are a wealthier country we have all, all of these opportunities like what do you think that these young girls are like all they know is to be pregnant have a family serve their family like not everyone goes to like higher education there it's there obviously but that's like not the norm in these extremely rural impoverished communities and it's a culture thing like yeah. People focus on teen pregnancies, but not the men impregnating teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> Guess who's not going to a health clinic? The dudes. Yeah. So I think you're right to to point that out. Like, yeah, their goals, it's a nice goal, it's a great goal, but it's a goal from a different culture. Versus if their goal was to educate about water resources and it's kind of like, like, I'm sure you've heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Like at the bottom of the pyramid is food, shelter, safety. That's it. It's pretty hard to get to teen pregnancy if they're sick all the time. That's That makes no sense. It's like saying, oh, like the epitome of first world problems, right? Like, oh, my, my Lexus has a flat tire and someone's like, I'm homeless. So you focus on flat tires instead of homelessness. And it's like, <laughs> what? You yeah. mean there's a, yeah. So, yeah. So that was a that was something that I struggled with a lot in Peace Corps because I'm like, yo, they're asking me to help with their vector diseases like Zika, dengue, chikungunya, like all these different things. Like, how can I if I entered as a and that's still their health, you know, like, why am I why am I constricted to these three and I was, I was very constricted and I was looked down on whenever I was doing things that they were asking me to do that they really, really needed. Like, why couldn't I have worked with uh, somebody in the community uplifting women? And this is still like goes into business. So then I would be like seeping into like the entrepreneurship education yeah. sector. But if I'm focusing on like them making hand soap, I'm literally boost helping them boost empower a woman because most likely it would be a woman and i'm helping them improve their health in their community while still like it's i was just like i'm really feeling confined and trapped within it and that really took a toll in a lot of ways on myself (laughs) i think that that makes a lot of sense for anyone who's like listening to this that's in the helping profession like the bureaucracy or if you're not in the helping profession and you just work in a corporation like corporations if they're too big and they're not extremely careful can kind of really murder creativity and um innovation so like i ran into the same thing when i was working and i've had i've been very lucky like caveat i've been very lucky to have wonderful wonderful supervisors and bosses and companies to work for um i worked for two before i was like fuck this i'm doing my own thing um but i was constricted so i couldn't run the groups that i wanted i couldn't um like the first job i had was a very extremely specific model where we weren't dealing with things that needed to be addressed in a certain way because we had to stay within the model. And then, you know, you just, you run into a lot of, you have to stay in your lane because X, Y, Z, and this is how we run when it's really like all of these things are a web and not a line on a track. If that makes sense. Like if you stay in your lane, it's because it's so interconnected. It's like mental health. If you focus on the brain, but you never talk about the nervous system, what are you doing? Like you're connected. It's you're not separate. So I feel you. Um, but now you are wanting to 
So y'all, not only did Taylor like do the Peace Corps and totally like kill it there, she, you've had so much personal growth from when I knew you. So like we were babies when we met, like 20, I think I was 20 when I moved to Tampa. Um, you were, I think you're like a year, I don't know how old yep. you were. I'm 29. I'm okay, so you're a year younger than me. So you were, so I was never in the party scene because I've always been a baby grandma. <laughs> um, but you were. So I would love if you talked about the toll that that took and the personal growth that you've had to really focus like, oh, hey, this was not helpful. Um, I need to change some of my behaviors. Yeah. So I definitely and you're always going to be like there's always some if you start young right like drinking or partying then you're gonna have higher risk of you know drinking problems alcoholism having some issues with that there's always that possibility not saying that that's 100 true all of the time but it is like yeah. the younger you are yeah. more susceptible yes so Started pretty young. Um, I had a really good time all throughout my, you know, younger years. Um, when I was even like uh, first, when I first met you, things like that, I would still like go to the clubs um, in Ebor and things like that. I know. I, and that was my scene, like was there all of the time um, throughout college too, like just partied a lot um and even outside of college like when I was working at the restaurant yeah and it was just like not great because during that same time um I think a lot of people like drink and party and it's fine and you know whatever but like a, most of the time people experience like traumas either whether that is like in their childhood or in their teen adolescent years or in their young adult like and so for me a lot of my like major traumas happened around the time that I actually knew you um and so what is so funny is like we don't ever really know I, I when I talk to people about it like they're always like hi I had no idea like you know because you're just like all right I'm gonna party and have fun and put on a face in front of all these other people but um you know, I experienced like lots of, lots of, um, loss. Um, I experienced loss of like a really good, a, a best friend and then my role model. Um, and I was going through, a, I had lots of issues with unhealthy relationships, but I had one in particularly abusive relationship and that abusive relationship, once I got out of it, my role model was um, she was she was a few years older than me and like I was just so drawn to her and I had taken care of her young her her son who was um, Adric he was autistic so um, it was really sad so her life was taken by her ex-boyfriend so it was just like to like come out of an abusive That's relationship I survived and she didn't was like a really tough I felt like guilt even though like you like why you know like I had no but like you just do and then like a few years later my grandmother passing like literally a year later my grandmother passing a year later after that another best friend of mine passing I was just like it just kept everything kept hitting me and yeah. so my drinking like went really off the rails after that because I was just like coping and numbing. So yeah. Um, tried to feel that with going to the Peace Corps. I was like, Oh, you know, I'll like go to the Peace Corps and like, and that just proved to be one of the hardest <laughs> experiences ever. Cause then I'm isolating myself. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, but I persevered through everything and, um, it wasn't until I, oh, and then, you know, people don't just numb with alcohol, right? One of my biggest numbing coping mechanisms was 
binge watching the crap out of TV. And I mean, I would binge watch things till five, six in the morning, sleep all day. Like it was really, really rough. And like realizing that and knowing like I can still fall into that, but how do I actively not fall into that now? And, And going through the social work program was something that really, really helped me. I mean, it helped me realize my issue with drinking. Um, it helped me realize my other negative coping mechanisms like binge watching things. Um, like, you know, that's pretty normal yeah. too in our society. Yeah. But like, when I, was actually, I was thinking while you said that, that I think binge watching is an American fucking epidemic. Like oh. I read a statistic the other day that said Americans on average watch 28 hours of TV a week and I'm just like what like I know there's a lot of good shows on don't get me wrong but four hours a day is is insane right insane yeah yeah and people don't talk about that as an avoidance behavior like listen I have my shows right love the bold type the witcher if y'all haven't seen the witcher watch it but (laughs) But four hours a day is freaking ludicrous to me. Ludicrous. I've definitely watched way more than that <laughs> in a day. <laughs> like, sure. Like, you have one day, like, every, probably once a month, I have a day where, like, my ass does not get off the couch. Like, I am watching six or seven hours of TV, and I need that veg state to be good. But, like, if that's what you're doing every day, like, surprise, folks you have shit that you're avoiding. You need to deal with it. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So you have come out of that in your um, perfect segue. Like, how do you take care of your mental health now? Because it has to be a consistent practice. So like, how, what do you do consistently or what, you know, once in a while, whatever that like helps you? Well, I, and this is like, Duh, no brainer. Like people It's not know. a no brainer. People have to be taught. <laughs> I know, but people but people know it. It's a common thing, but it's it's yes. like easier said than done type thing. If, yeah. If it was a knowledge gap, therapists and coaches would not exist. Right. So pretend it's not a no brainer. What do you do? <laughs> so I did a lot of like self exploration and one of the biggest things I do do that helps me so much in my mental health is exercise. Um, I realize how huge it is. And like, it's not a cookie that even that like, is not a cookie cutter thing. Like, for me, I cannot go to the gym by myself. Like, it ain't gonna happen ever. (laughs) Like, I just, it does not work for me. You know, and so you have to figure out what works for you. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually like a solo gym person. Um, I'm like, put my headphones in, put on my work at playlist, and I'm just like, grind. But like, if people talk to me, I, I turn into like a hissing cat. I'm like, <laughs> I just want to work out. So like, you're a group person? Yes. Yeah. So. I'm like, I need group classes. I need group fitness. I need somebody who is going to like push me to, you know, that I need that external accountability and I need that external accountability in most of the things in my life, like, like all the time. So I love it because I I love that collaborate. I feel energized by other people. Yeah. Okay. All the things. So a little while to work out because if you thought there was only one way that you had to do it by yourself you're supposed to like that blah 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 you'd be freaking miserable and you probably wouldn't do it yep nope so, so you exercise what else do you do um I realize that I love like I do go exploring a lot so anytime I can like go out into the city or you know, into the beat. Like whenever I was living in Philly, I used to go explore the city a lot. And literally one of my favorite things was like exiting the subway, 
listening to head my headphones and just like being amongst the big buildings and I was like oh. like it just brought so much happiness to my soul soul here is like going to the beach of course and like Such a watching the sunset and yeah like sometimes I'm like oh no I gotta go watch the sunset bye <laughs> like like I just gotta go <laughs> so that's actually a thing um so I read a book by a guy named Wallace J. Nichols, who I will um, side note, like link in the like podcast and video notes, whatever. It's called Blue Mind. And so his book is all about the effects of the ocean, more of the ocean specifically, but water in general on psychology. And it was like, I will be leading ocean retreats once coronavirus is freaking over. Side note, if you're listening to this in like 2030, it's 2020. COVID-19 is a thing. It's fucking up everyone's life. It's annoying. Um, <laughs> so it exists, whatever time period people are listening to this or watching it. Um, so ocean retreats, and I'm just like, I'm doing this. So though that has such a biological impact on our nervous system and on our cells and on our life. So hell yes, that you do that. And two, there's a thing called sun gazing. Have you ever heard of it? No. So you, when you wake up, um, Hopefully everyone wakes up, like wake up tomorrow. When you wake up, your cortisol spikes to get you like ready for the day. Um, so cortisol is a stress hormone, but it also kind of amps up your energy. So when you turn your eyes to the sun in sunrise and sunset, you start aligning your hormone production with your circadian rhythm which affects your entire body. So it's a thing called sun gazing where you look at the sunrise or you look at the sunset and literally get like the sun in your eyeballs. Now, obviously don't do this at like noon. Not do it during an eclipse. Do not do it during full sunlight. But in the morning is actually when your melatonin, which is the sleep hormone starts producing and it starts, it knows to start producing because your eyes are being hit by direct sunlight. So sun gazing, you're doing it naturally without knowing that it's a thing and it regulates your hormones. That's so cool. Which is wild. So you're just like, this feels good. I'm supposed to do it. And so I'm doing it, which is a really big testament to the like how deep your body knowledge runs. Like your body knows what it needs to do, which is why you feel good going to the ocean or watching the sunset or being outside. Um, They've done really cool studies where they like blindfold people and have them touch objects. So like plastic or um, glass or metal, and they measure their like brain uh, activity, brain, I was like brain response, their brain activity. Um, And then they have them touch like wood or dirt or clay or um, leaves. And the stress response when you're touching man-made things is activated, but the the like regulation response when you're touching natural elements is activated. So like you, you actually literally have a stress response when you're surrounded by man-made things, which is insane, which is why it feels good to be outside. So you're just like doing these things, not knowing why, but it's like, it has a huge basis in biology. Yeah. That's so fascinating. So keep doing it. You're killing So what are you doing now? When we were talking last, time doesn't exist to me, so maybe last week, um, you were talking about working with like a domestic violence shelter and like the initiatives that you want to do once you're out of school. So please tell us about that because they are dope. Yeah. um, I, so currently I'm back in Tampa, not in Philly, um, and I'm getting involved again with some community partners around Tampa Bay, um, just getting my foot in the door. So right now I'm with Hear Our Voices, and so they are an organization dedicated to uplifting and empowering youth to use their voices around, like, yeah, I love working with youth. That's my favorite. Yeah. Um, and they're, I, huh? they're a whole mood by themselves. Oh, yeah. I'm just like, Yeah. And like, they're so misunderstood. So not heard all the time. Like, I I always feel like adults forget that they were once teenagers too. Like that crap was hard. Like, like, instead of judging them, like listening to them, like all they want to do is be heard and understood because they feel so misunderstood all the time. Anyway, 
love 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 kids yes um but so working with them and i connected the spring of tampa bay which is a domestic violence agency here with them and we're going to be doing like um a couple of like um work it's not a workshop but like discussions and so i interned with the spring their dope organization um because they're the largest in tampa bay they have like the hotline um the shelter things like that Uh, they have like thrift stores which is super cool because i mean i've only been in philly and tampa but like philly didn't have anything like that for so like that was really cool so there, uh, if someone is listening in the Tampa area, which if you're my friend, you better be like, what are the thrift stores called? How do they support these organizations? Yeah, there's one called, there's like the boutique, which is in South uh, Tampa and on like, I want to say Himes and Henderson. Um, boutique. Yes, that one's called like the Spring Boutique. Okay. Um, and then the other one is connected to the spring and that's closer to downtown and that's connected to like their warehouse and like offices. Um, and so you can literally like look up the spring and you'll find it. Um, these two organizations, they have websites, I assume. Yes. Yes. So we can like, we'll link the website. So if people want to donate. Yes. And right now you can donate on Fridays, I think between three and five. They've just limited their like donation times because of COVID. Oh, I mean like money donations through the internet. Okay, that too. Like that's, yeah. So I want to link the website. So if people want to make a donation to the organization through like, I don't know what they use, PayPal, whatever, um, they can do that. So like that'll be, we'll do that after, like give me all that information. We'll link it for them. Perfect. That sounds great. But yes, with the with the stores, you're literally when you buy there, you're investing, you're basically donating to the organization to provide for these survivors. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So you what do you do with them? It sounds like you're doing community initiatives. Yeah. So we're just right now um, kind of setting up talks with youth around LGBTQ topics and healthy relationships. So that's going to be our next like thing in September. That's just my little side, my little side projects. I'm not even, (laughs) that's just like me volunteering my time there. Um, But currently I am also doing qualitative research on intimate partner violence on Penn's campus. Well, not specifically on that, but the services for survivors and students. So how can we improve those? Um, And then one of my biggest ideas, and I think you wanted me to get to was- Please, yes. My dream of hopefully um, starting a nonprofit where I'd be helping survivors of domestic violence or intimate partner violence uh, become economically empowered because that is something that like it's only been researched in the last like five-ish years like research has popped off on that that like that is the that is something that we should be focusing on like just like talk about economic abuse like water is wet people yeah like so it's like when people do studies and they're like animals have emotions and it's like no shit, homie. Like, why do people stay in abusive relationships? Very often because they're financially, they have to. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> they have no choice. If they have kids with this person and they're the main breadwinner, what are they going to do? If they're isolated Our, from their family, isolated right. from their friends, have nowhere to go, things like this. So, and not to mention, so kind of have like. Work street no work history right. or like if they do it's unstable because of their situation because right. a lot of the times like a abusive partner might like call and like <laughs> ask that person while they're at work and then their employer will fire them because they it's unsafe for everyone and it's like no bro it's not unsafe for everyone it's unsafe for this person and 
So basically my whole idea is dating. <laughs> so there's already organizations that kind of do that for former, formerly incarcerated individuals where they hire them and give yeah. them, and it's in, in, it's typically in a restaurant. And I love restaurants. I love food. Oh, that's another thing that I do for self-care is I cook a lot, a lot. I love cooking, love cooking, but so kind of incorporating like that aspect with all of, you know, my education is like really cool, would be really cool. Um, so hiring these people, whether it's like they're doing front of house work, back of house work, like what are they doing? Like, can I get them like those skills and then like how and then like also doing a lot of like financial and economic empowerment in the shelters and things like that. So really connecting all of it, providing them daycare. So like another thing, super huge, like I would want to like have the restaurant, but then like, can I also have a spot in the back where there's people that are helping taking care of all of the kids? So how can I make that accomplish that? Because that is very holistic, such a huge barrier for people is childcare, right? And finding free, affordable childcare, you oh, know, yeah. can actually work. So I have people like, here who pay over a thousand dollars a month for childcare. Yes. And I, I would rather rip my head off. <laughs> like, I, know. I understand why people don't work. That is for so I love that you're, you're taking such a holistic view. So, so what can people do? to help. And we're kind of, we're nearing like the end now. So like, what can people do to get involved if people are interested in community engagement or they're interested in helping survivors of domestic violence or intimate partner violence, or they're just like, oh shit, maybe they're talking to me. Like I, I don't feel safe in my relationship. Like that's kind of three different questions, but like <laughs> go in whatever order you want. Um, what can people do? So maybe we'll start with like, if people think maybe they're in, in an unsafe situation relationship, what can they do? And then how can people get involved if this is something they want to support? Yeah, so definitely if they're in an unhealthy relationship. So there's definitely a spectrum of what is a healthy, unhealthy, and then like abusive. Um, so there's kind of like this spectrum of that. Um, because a lot of the times people are in unhealthy relationships, but it's not necessarily abusive. Right. Um, but it still will take a toll on you emotionally. Um, so definitely being becoming educated if you're listening, like searching those types of things clearly in a like, you know, as safely as possible. Um, Put your search engine on incognito mode yeah. for anyone listening. Also, yeah. DuckDuckGo is a search engine that does not track your searches. So just for anyone listening, DuckDuckGo, or you can do incognito mode, which means none of those things will save. Yes. And um, there we can also link uh, the domestic violence hotline to this as well. So as well as the spring information, um, there's a national hotline for DV as well. Yeah. Um, but you can always call like, cause sometimes it's really hard to talk to your friends and, and that's the biggest thing that I, I talk to with youth is like so many times people are like, Oh, you're in an unhealthy, unhealthy relationship or abusive relationship. Like, why don't you just leave? Why don't you just leave? And then it's right. not, it's not, that's not helpful. Um, right. instead of, I always love like trying to talk to youth or anybody adults too. Like mm -hmm. if you are dealing with, if you're seeing it happen, like there is not, you can never control another human being in their life. So right. how can you be open and saying like, I'm here, what I'm seeing is concerning right? Yep. What I'm seeing is concerning. And I'm concerned for your safety, your health, your well-being, your emotional health, your spiritual health, yep. all of the things. But I see you're not ready. I'm here for you whenever you're ready and you need help. 
How can you be a safe person for them to come to when they are ready? Right. And the best ways to not be a safe person is to say, well, why don't you just leave? So for anyone listening, never, just never say that to your friend. A different question would be, how can I help you? Mm -hmm. What do you need right now? Well, I just need someone to vent to. You got it, but like be a safe person when they're ready, but you can't force it. So solid advice, like just be a safe person for them to come to and recognize that you can't step in. Sometimes people want to step in and it really puts the the person who's being abused in danger. Mm-hmm. Like, so yeah, definitely even don't, more. don't confront the abuser. Don't step in. Nope. Just be a safe person when they are ready. Um, so they can Google the spring. We'll definitely link that. The domestic violence hotline will link. Um, what about in their communities that they're like, hey, this, by the way, it's definitely happening in your community, wherever you're listening. Um, All around the world. It's a global issue. Google to get involved. Um, so if you're in schools, um, depending on like your age and things like that. But I mean, I remember when I was at USF. I'm, so I know that schools and um if it's not at your school if you're like in high school or whatever probably everyone here is an adult but like high schools can always contact like their local domestic violence agency and there's always youth programs happening within that so how can you get involved you can always contact um those types of groups maybe there's one already in school like sometimes there are youth Um, action committees in schools going towards like college I remember I got involved with um, night so it was like a safety organization so like how can we keep our uh, campus safe basically and so that was something that I got involved with and they do things like take back the night walk in her shoes like all these like different um, kind of like events of like a protest but like like events. Yeah, events. So they can Google, like, domestic violence shelter. Um, I know ours in town is called the Family Crisis Center, and you can go volunteer with them. So they, you know, even if you don't want to be working directly with survivors, they always need admin work, right? They're most likely nonprofits, so they need admin work. They need people to call. If there's a thrift store, you could probably work there. Um yeah sort so I used to like sort if anybody wants to ever volunteer like I used to sort um all of the items at the spring so in their warehouse you like sort through them and do that and that was something that I did a lot whenever I was growing so I've always kind of been connected to the spring in in a lot of ways um yeah woman here that does grocery runs for our local domestic violence shelter she like They give her a list. She goes to the grocery store. She picks up the donated food and she brings it back. So there's a ton of ways for people to get involved, probably more than people think. Like it it doesn't have to be directly with survivors. There are those things, too. Like we have um, like rape advocates who will go to the hospital if someone has been sexually assaulted or they'll go to the court case with them. Um, But you don't have to have to do that, which. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. I know we're like last minute of the time, but um, I I just want to highlight how, so I used to be a domestic violence counselor, um, and so I worked with survivors um, directly, but one of the greatest things I found, and it was like, as hard as that work was, and how like heart-wrenching it was to like hear their stories, it was also super empowering, and I was so in awe of how these women, self-identifying women. I didn't ever have male clients, but we had male clients. All of the creative and inventive ways, they, things that they did to keep themselves safe. Mm -hmm. Like I was always like shocked in such a, it it was amazement, not shocked, but I was amazed. Like blown away. And, And it brought me to tears so many times because I was like, yo, you're amazing. Like, and you want them to see it too because yeah, so many yeah. times survivors or and victims of these uh abusive situations they don't have the self-esteem there like their self-esteem is low because this person has chipped away at it right you know so like, 
they were always so amazing yeah. and so beautiful, and I always miss my clients. Aww. But yeah. <laughs> thing I do notice with trauma work is like people are extremely inventive when their survival's on the line, whether it makes sense down the road or not. Like in the moment, if it kept you alive, it was the best decision you could have made, regardless of if it long term makes a lot of sense. If it keeps you alive in the moment, it's a good thing. So whatever people had to do, this is something I want to leave with. Like whatever people have to do to survive is a good choice, even mm -hmm. if it doesn't make sense to anyone else, because you do what you have to do. And not all of those things are helpful long term. But if they keep you alive in the moment, it's a good decision, like hands down. Definitely. So what is something that you you want to leave our listeners or like viewers with? Ooh, just based on based on conversation. Ooh, <sighs> let's see. Things are tough sometimes, but just always remembering that you're not alone, and it's really important to ask for help when you need it, whether it is help with a paper, whether it's help with your emotional like struggles, anything like I wouldn't be where I am if I wasn't honest with myself and I wasn't honest with people. And sometimes not everyone has those people or feel like they don't. But there are people out there that can help. Um, that's why there are you know, hotline numbers and it feels weird and it might feel icky to like talk to a complete stranger about it. But there are people out there that care and your safety and your happiness is important. Um, yep. And it may feel really hard right now, but people are out there that can help you gain skills like Amanda, like myself to get you to a place where you're healthy and happy and working towards that. Cause you're yeah. not always, you're not always healthy and you're not always happy, but it's always a work in progress. And I, I want to just add to that. It's okay to ask for help multiple times. Yes. Like it's okay to make steps out and then go back and to make steps out and go back. Like healing doesn't happen in a linear fashion. It's always expand and contract. So mm -hmm. So, yeah, if you're asking for help now and and you don't take all the steps, like who gives a shit? You still ask for help and it's still good. So. So, yeah, 100 percent, 100 percent. I love it. So you are so dope. Um, I'm going to like stop the recording and then we can talk. So thank you so much. Like you will link everything that we talked about. I like made a note of it to do. Um, thank you. That was beautiful. Thank you. Y'all, how dope is Taylor? She is super, super cool. If y'all hung out with us this long, thank you so much for listening. I hope that you got some valuable insights or you found the podcast interesting. Do me a favor if you're still with us and leave me a review on Apple Podcast. That helps me get in front of more people. And if you're on YouTube, Go ahead and subscribe and leave me a comment telling me what you thought about the episode. Okay, you guys be good. See you next week.